Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart. And you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Excellent. Everyone clapped on command. Fantastic. Welcome to a very special episode of Running is Bullshit. Uh, We're going to try and do this live in front of a live audience here at Little Man Coffee in Cardiff. And what better way to celebrate our 74th episode it's classic. Of course, the famous 74th milestone. Um, of course, we had to find somewhere that serves fancy tea and coffee as well um, as our first location for a live show. Yeah, what tea have you got, Amy? I've drank all mine already, oh. so what I've tea got, have you got? I've got, I just got a normal tea. I got a normal tea as well. I, I mean, I had to make it myself, so I can't really say it was, you know, <laughs> it wasn't my best tea I've ever made myself, and I, you know, it's not much different from when I'm recording at home, really. No. <laughs> Uh, So we've got plenty of guests coming up and plenty of running bullshit to get through and we may well get some of the audience to come up and give us an opinion for a bit of live feedback, which could, of course, go horribly wrong. Might not be the best idea. Uh, We know the one thing that you all want to know. I'm afraid the answer is no. We are not going to be singing. There is no way we're going to be doing any singing without very heavy editing so well you might not be doing any singing but we don't okay know. <laughs> well if someone else wants to sing that's absolutely fine i know uh, chris and becca at the back are going to bandioki after this um <laughs> me and amy are not going to go we're still practicing our duets yeah <laughs> we need a little bit more time for that um so okay let's uh, crack on and start with the episode um some of the things we need to talk about of course our favorite event has just happened the london marathon the marathon the only marathon um and i believe a uh, shout out to paul cole in the room, I think he's the only person who did London Marathon last week? Week before, whatever. <laughs> so I think round of applause for Paul Cole, please. First marathon as well. Um, well done, Paul. The only marathon. Um, he did then think last week it would be a good idea to run a 19K hilly trail run with me, which, as it turns out, it was not a good idea. Tried to turn back after 5K, but there was no way to go. <laughs> it's active recovery. Um, so our favourite story from London Marathon this year was the couple who photocopied a race number so they could both run, which is classic piece of race banditing, which I didn't think actually happened much here. It seems to be more of an American thing. Um, however, they were both caught by some incredible detective work when they ran next to each other the entire way, wearing the same number, and hundreds of people took photos of them. Yeah, this is one of those classic stories that was sent to me about six different times over the last week. of just all these people taking photos, just standing next to each running next to each other the whole way with the same number. So dumb. Um, of course, now into like ballot season for next year, and this is the same rant I've probably done every year now. I'm always going to do it people entering the ballot and all those people saying ah hope i don't get in lol and i just i just always think that if you don't want to enter just don't enter it's honestly not hard i know a lot of people kind of say that kind of thing just because it's a bit of bravado because they don't actually want to say i really really want to get in i want to run london but they're kind of scared to say they don't want to be disappointed or something but it just seems the idea of entering a ballot for a race like that when you don't really want to do it, when there are so many people desperate to do it, it's just a bit of a piss take. I mean, you might get in and you might kind of do the bare amount of training um, and you might kind of, you might get around, but is that the best experience you can have? Um, something Matt O'Keefe, our previous guest, said about the Dragon's Back a few episodes ago. 
like I don't want to say people shouldn't be there, but I think a lot of people really <laughs> underestimate it. They think, yeah, I can do training for a marathon, it's fine. And they kind of don't do it properly and they drag themselves around in like twice as long as it might take. And they rely on like the back of the pack runners or marshals or the crowd to keep them going around. And it just seems when there are literally 400,000 people who didn't get in, in a way it feels like you've got a bit of a responsibility to, to run it properly and do your very best with it for all those people that didn't get in. Because uh, it's very different any other race where you pay 30 quid and you go, you might half-ass it, that's fine, that's on you. But in this one, I said, there's so many people that miss out. And I just wonder, you know, am I being a dick about this? Yes. Or, <laughs> I just think, yeah, in a way, I know we talk about London Marathon, they always talk about how special and wonderful it is. But I think in that respect, for that size of ballot, it kind of is. Well, <laughs> anyway, it wouldn't be London Marathon without some stupid fucking costume records, of course. So amongst the 30 new records this year were the fastest male dressed as a mammal, which, aren't we mammals anyway? Like, I don't know. I think dressed dress as a person. Just dress as yourself. Just, as just put some shorts and a running top on, you're fine. Um, the fastest three-dimensional plant, which I really don't understand that one. No. Yeah, the fastest three-dimensional male TV character. That's very. Uh, so, very are specific. there categories then for two-dimensional male and female, and like TV and film? There must be. It's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. records. It's very you can niche. Go for. Uh, fastest female dressed as a monarch, and fastest man dressed in pajamas. Which again could be t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> that's a t-shirt and shorts. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a costume. There's, there's so many of these. Like, the, the, I, I looked at the London Marathon website, and there's a couple of hundred marathon records. Like, basically, if you can think of something that someone hasn't applied to be a record as a different costume. Like, if you go, oh, I'm going to dress as a table. Hey, well, there you go. That's a world record now. But it's just such a strange thing. And I think the fastest man dressed as a mammal, it was about 4 hours 17. I think that doesn't seem like it's the fastest anyone's ever run dressed as an animal or a mammal. It's become a very elitist podcast. So 4 hours 17 isn't fast enough. Well, you can't enter the London Marathon unless you're going to run it really fast. And don't enter, you're taking the ballot place off people. Well, I just feel like someone must have dressed as, an, as a mammal and run faster, but probably hasn't thought of applying to be a Guinness record. There was also one um, fastest person dressed as a rugby player. Which again is shorts and t-shirt and socks. That's just running again. Unless they were wearing rugby boots on the road. I've got no respect for them. Uh, fastest person dressed as Mo Farrow. You know, you <laughs> make it real niche. Um, there's also, uh, there was a big change to the back of the pack this year. As we heard a couple of years ago, that went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, and I guess really, actually, I really haven't really heard anything about it this year, which I guess is a uh, good thing. They probably all died from the chemical burns they suffered when they started cleaning the streets, you know? <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, that didn't happen this year. And I guess the fact we didn't hear anything means that went pretty well. Mm -hmm. So hopefully uh, the London Marathon is better now for those people at the back. Um, we're going to move on now. Uh, we've got our first guest joining us today, someone we know very well, because he cannot stop doing stupid things, and then we have to keep talking about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, could you please welcome Rhys Jenkins. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, Rhys, after running the entire Wales Coast Path, uh, you ran from John O'Groats to Land's End, but, and running Ben Nevis, Scaffold Pike, and Snowden on the way. How does it feel to know Amy and I have an FKT and we only ran 20 miles? I'm proud of both of you. <laughs> Did it all go to plan? How was that? I know it seems like I'm not sure how to ask that question of a run that took, what was it, two, three weeks? Hundreds and hundreds of miles. How was that? <laughs> it was very, very long. Um, <laughs> it took 23 days in total, so just over three Ooh. weeks. And it was 
anything from like 12 hours a day to 14 hours a day just um moving forward you're not running the whole time and sometimes you're walking or hiking especially with the mountains but um stuff that went wrong so ideally we would have just done the mountain and came down mm -hmm. um unfortunately i got behind the schedule of where we wanted to be so it meant i was having to run 30 miles and then have to go up ben nevis and come back down and then do the same with scaffold pike and then do the same with snowden so that is like it was very because they're quite tall you can see them from a distance so like you're sort yeah. of running towards this hell which you know is coming towards you especially with like snowden um the weather was just closing in closing in you like there's thunderstorms there's lightning um we'd heard of somebody that had fallen the day before off um oh, what's the really narrow crib gawk crib gawk yeah. and my parents are messaging keris my wife there saying is that race is he still alive and she's like well look at the tracker is it still moving yes okay well he's fine he's <laughs> yeah. not dead chill out and as we got close to the mountain um the weather just went perfect and it was the easiest mountain we went up uh, claude my friend right by there came up and that was the first time you climbed it as well wasn't it yeah and it was just as soon as we came off the other side the weather closed in again it was just one of those lucky moments we got yeah. through it was right. just yeah insane we can tell your experience coming on here because you went straight away to the things that went wrong you know <laughs> us well you know what we want to talk about so generally that three weeks was that roughly what you were aiming for um so my original target was 20 days uh, the record was 30 and a half days and i think what was different this year comparison to last year was the fact that we were so ahead of schedule mm. and it was weird because you wanted to push and you wanted to keep on going but then also you didn't want to balls it up and fuck it up so close to the end sorry my swearing is okay isn't it I mean, it's literally the name of the podcast we've got that in so it's <laughs> well, fine yeah all right okay um and you're sort of playing this game with yourself saying trying to push but then obviously not kill yourself in the process because you don't want to drop the ball so close to the end it was really weird being ahead of the schedule for me because usually i'm behind it and chasing it down mm. And you were raising money for charity, right? Yeah, so we were raising it for um, a charity which uh, helps in the fight against child abuse. And it's something which me and Karis both as a couple, we support each and every year. Unfortunately, as a child, she was abused. And it's just something which by we supported the Lucy Faithful Foundation this year. And they're a company, not a company, damn it, um, a charity which they help prevent it. They actually go and st try and stop it before it gets going. Which to us, you have the NSPCC and charities like that. This was the only charity, and as a survivor, it was the one which Keris went, let's go and do that one. And I think what really hammered at home was when we said and told the charity we were going to fundraise for them, they were sort of asked us, and they're like, are you sure that's what you want to do and fundraise for us? Because not a lot of people do, because yeah. they work with the people before they get going. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, and we're like, yeah, well, hell yeah, we're going to do it for you. Does, does that kind of charity part of it come into it? When you're, you know, day 19, running up another hill... Is that something that ever comes in or is it just pure perseverance of just, just get to the next end of the next day or get to the next drop point? Um, massively, it comes into play. It's, I guess, your special kicker. It's that thing which will keep you hanging on that little bit longer. Um, it's your reason why. And with Karis being my wife, it's something which is very strong to me and you just sort of tap into that and you sort of weigh it up in your mind. It's like, well, I've got pains going on, but when you compare it to child abuse, it's like completely irrelevant and it just brings you back down to earth and makes you move forward. Mm. And how much did you end up raising in the end? Over £8,000. Our target was £10,000. But you know what? I was thinking we'd get about five, so I'm yeah. ecstatic with that. That's amazing. Uh, in terms of the route that you took, I, I kind of how direct were you going? Were you kind of taking a more direct route or was it, are you on the side of like dual carriageways? Um, so this is a 
touchy subject because Ooh. that chap by there, Chris, mm. um, helped us sort of plot a beautiful route along canals, trails. And after like two or three days, I was just like, I just want to do the most direct route. I don't care how we get there. Throw me down the middle of the road and I will just run there. And it led to some quite close calls, I'd say. So we went the length of the country, mm-hmm. 1,045 miles to be precise. Ooh. And then five miles from the end, a chap that's running with us got clipped by a car and like the <laughs> wing mirror took out his hip and obviously he's not going to carry on running. Um, to which point I'm continuing to run. These guys are getting the message that somebody's been hit by a car. So they're rushing <laughs> back to me, but then also thinking, crap, we're going to miss him at the end. It's like spent all this time. And the car didn't even stop for the chap. They just drove on and it's just like, what the hell? But it sort of hit home because 80% of the time I was fighting traffic mm. and it really plays in your mind after a while that... Sometimes it's maybe not worth it, especially with a child on the way as well. Yeah. It was really difficult. I mean, it's got, also got to be harder. 1,040 miles in, you, I imagine you haven't got the capacity to deal with something like that <laughs> at that point. No, and actually Dean, the chap that got hit, was another, with, with another chap called Tom. And Tom turned around and said to Dean, what the hell are you doing? We've got to get Reese to the end. Let's carry on. And he's like, well, my hip's just been shattered by a car. Do you want to carry on? And we sort of finished off and together and Dean was there at the end and he's perfectly fine now. Uh, I've also noticed the man you pointed out who planned your route is wearing a Marathon de Sable buff. Was so, that the best person to plan your route? First off, he doesn't like to talk about it, okay? Oh, no, he just wears it. <laughs> he only just came back from the desert and he actually ran it this year. Okay. So the hottest event they've ever had and the most difficult one they've had. They had like a 50% dropout rate. Oh, it was insane. And you can see the little coming. suntan on him now and he's going red because I'm talking about him. Well, that, that's a future guest sorted out then. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> So your challenges seem to be getting longer and more extreme. Do we need to be worried about you? Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just love the adventure. I love fundraising for charity. And it's just something which by 2010, um, that's when it all kicked off and ran across America. And like ever since that year, I've always given myself that life goal of doing at least one, two, three challenges a year and try and better yourself. I think go further, go faster or go harder. Yeah, you, you haven't got that kind of thing that most people have got. They started small and they've just built up and up. But they're always looking for something bigger. You started running your first, like you said, that was a 2,000 mile run. That was kind of your first, first big thing, wasn't it? It was a really stupid decision, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we spent more time running it than we did planning it. We blagged a sponsor in Puma um, and they sent like a truck full of kit for us. It was like, insane, but we didn't know what we were picking. Like we were picking sailing jackets as waterproof running jackets. We didn't have navigation. So every time we get to a turning in the road, um, our support crew would be there waiting for us, telling us to take a left. It's like 2010. I know it doesn't seem a long time ago, but running technology's come on leaps and bounds since then. And I'm literally genuinely surprised nobody died on that trip because it was three runners, two support crew, and we were all living out of the same hotel room every night. And like, we were wanting to throttle one another by the end of it. It was intense. <laughs> um, so any idea kind of what's next in terms of your big challenges? So I've been sorted on this. It's Ooh. the baby. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is which a big one. is actually due at November 8th now. And Keris is having some fake contractions this evening, which is fun. Cool. Keeping us on edge. <laughs> um, Should we put her further back towards the door, maybe? We've got the bathroom by okay. there. So, and we've got a paramedic right by yeah. there. So well, that's true. Just keep it down if anything happens. So. Um, but in terms of running, we've got a lot of races next year, which have been rolled over because of COVID. Because mm-hmm. these two massive challenges the last two years wouldn't have happened if COVID didn't happen. That's true, yeah. and it's just something whereby my races were cancelled and was fit enough and we just sort of took the opportunity to get out there and run and for um, the actual joggle this year mm. we had to get back within 25 days because we had an event on the Saturday and I got behind schedule 
and we didn't get back to the Thursday. And then on the Friday, we were marking up the route, and then we were sending 50, um, people on a 50-mile run around the MOD base up in Yeah, Brecon. you were race directing two days after that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a silly decision. <laughs> the photos did make you look a bit tired. I fairness. was a little bit tired, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, just well, well, actually, before we finish, while well, we've got people here, has anyone got any questions for Reese? If anyone wants to shout out, and I can repeat. I know it's always risky then, isn't it? Because there's potentially lots of blank faces. <laughs> <laughs> a man that ran the length of the country, nothing. Oh, I didn't work, did it? <laughs> how did you get into it? Like, how, I know you started the first one across America, but like, I, I would love to do something like that, but I, like, I struggled to get myself organised for 5K. Um, Keris is fantastic at organising. <laughs> um, I just got into it. I wanted the adventure, and I just committed to it. And I think as soon as you commit, you have to go through with it. And it's just, you're always nervous, and especially that like, you have to pull the trigger on social media and let people know that... I, I, I see the benefits of social media. I'm pretty fed up of it as well. And back on the juggle in particular, we had a bit of a negative experience with social media in particular. And it was the one thing that kicked me off on the whole trip. Like mentally and physically, I was fine. And then somebody questioned my integrity and it just literally sent me into a spiral. I swear, like Chris was there and it was just a real intense moment. And I had my shoes sort of half on my feet. And usually when your, feet, your shoes are half on your feet, you can kick them off out in frustration. So I did the movement and the shoe didn't move, so I felt like a right idiot. So the next thing I could do is just slam my bag on the floor and then storm off for like a little tantrum down the street. But then within two miles, she knew exactly. She was like, just go, 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 go. And within two or three miles, you've sort of got your head back in the game. And it was just, uh, yeah, it wasn't a pleasant experience though. But with social media, I think it helps with fundraising. And we always try to put a record on there. That's not self-gain it's to help highlight what we're doing and like, if it came up to money for the charity or the record the charity wins every single day of the week so that's how we deal with it cool thanks jimmy so finally what is the most bullshit thing about running the length of the country and going over the biggest mountains on the way oh god all right so the mountains were fine um <laughs> the mountains were okay so ben nevis was dodgy weather the guy I was with got injured halfway up, and he's like, I'm going to wait for you. I was like, don't you dare wait. It's going to cause more issues. And I tagged onto this group of free runners. Um, they were doing the free peaks challenge. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm going to tell them what I'm doing. <laughs> no. And um, we got to the top of Ben Nevis, and they hotboxed the top of Ben Nevis with like two or three spliffs. I was like, what the hell's <laughs> going on here? They didn't have waterproofs or anything like that. They, they were really this fluke. Like, they chanced their lives up there. But I guess the most bullshit thing of running the length of the UK is the gnats and the bloody horseflies up in Scotland. Yeah. They are literally on steroids, man, seriously. And they're just, um, they'd latch onto you. And there's a video which Chris took, and I didn't realise he's filming at the time, and they're just buzzing around. He's on the video going, oh, if you're the show of today, you're trying to be funny. And I was like, didn't realise. So I'm like, no. And then literally, they just literally, you stop, and they just attack you straight away. Oh. That's probably the most bullshit. And the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does sound uh, pretty bad. Um, well, Reese, thank you very much for joining us once again. Thank you for having me again. Thank you very much. Okay, so now it's time for some of your messages and tweets. And first up, we've got Karen Hamilton, who sent us yet more marketing wank with the new Brooks Aurora BL, which was apparently inspired by the first time foot struck moon which is quite possibly the most awkwardly phrased statement I've ever read for a start, besides it being absolute bullshit. I mean, straight away, it feels like we could just read the whole website out. Um, the best bit is this. So this is from the website. 
We infused the Hyperion Tempo's DNA Flash cushion with nitrogen to deliver a fast, super lightweight ride with incredible energy return. Nitrogen infusion, a process known from outside of running in industries like coffee, for example, okay, allowed us to hone in on the energy return of our foam compound and dial it up while also making it lighter. What is that? Like, who coffee? Is, who has looked at a coffee machine and gone, you know what, I reckon we can get that in the shoes. Not, That's nitrogen definitely- infusion. Yeah, and infusion. in case you're wondering about how much lightweight the nitrogen is, don't worry, I've done the maths. Um, so I was going to roughly going to guess how much air is there in foam in a shoe. No idea. I kind of guessed around 100 cubic centimetres, and I think that's probably generous. So that's about 100 millilitres, kind of, for comparison. Um, the difference there, 100 millilitres of nitrogen weighs 125 milligrams. Uh, the same amount of just normal air is 129 milligrams. So that's a four milligram difference, and that is the weight of a grain of sand. <laughs> that is how much lighter all those two paragraphs that is how much uh, weight they have saved you. Uh, there is a, an old adage in running of uh, every pound you drop gains you about one and a half seconds per mile. So if you count that into, say, a 25-minute 5K, in these shoes, with that lightweight uh, shoe, you will run 0.00004 seconds faster. That is, uh, at one, I believe that's one twenty-five thousandths of a second faster which I'm not sure many um, stopwatches or chip timers will actually detect as a PB, unfortunately. Uh, so I would have gladly got rid of a grain of sand. <laughs> <laughs> you probably had a, probably a few more than one. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, next time, it's more like the Brooks Aurora BS. Hey. Am I right? Because they were called BL. <laughs> that's the joke there. Uh, if you remember at the beginning, we said BL. Yeah. Then I've said BS. That's oh, the... Sorry, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I like to explain a joke. I feel it makes it funnier. Um, so, as you know, we'd love to hear marketing bullshit. If you're ever shopping for shoes, shirts, whatever it is, and you see something bullshit like that, please send it to us. Can it be better than when, inspired by when foot struck moon? Yeah, again, were, were people just, were they watching like an anniversary video <laughs> of the moon landing? And again, they've thought, you know what? We can do something with shoes here. We need some, or is it just like, shit, we need something. We need something. We've got that big marketing meeting tomorrow. <laughs> we need to suggest something to them. Just the moon, the moon. Yeah, we'll do something with the moon. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, anyway, um, right, we've got another guest for you. Uh, next up, it's one of our favorite guests and uh, someone we're delighted, delighted to finally meet in person because we've had to do lots of uh, uh, these interviews on Zoom recently. Uh, it's a GB 800 meter runner and rock star that is almost as famous as Amy. We've got Jimmy Watkins. <laughs> Thank you. It's not often, not often we get to say, you know, proper GB runner and a rock star. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, microphone. Rock star, yeah. Um, I said at the beginning when I was introducing you, I, I said, oh, you're going to be all right with the microphone. Oh, wait, yeah, of course you are. And the first thing you sorry. did was had the microphone down at your waist. <laughs> I'm really spun out today. I'm having a strange day. Sure. Full of coffee and little sleep, so yeah. this could be interesting. Excellent. Um, well, uh, when we first spoke, uh, your group, the Running Punks, they were—I think—they were relatively new at the time. Uh, you seem to be kind of everywhere since then. How, how has that been going? Yeah, it's um, it, all right. So, so <laughs> oh God, uh, yeah, it's it's, um, it's spreading. Mm. Uh, it's going good. Um, just getting busier and busier, and seeing more and more people start running for the first time, which is amazing because. Like, I spent so long not running after running for Great Britain, and after running again, I realised it's really good for me. And it's just good to see people 
finds out the same thing about themselves, really. So. Yeah. And yeah. for people who may not have listened to your previous interview, you can just explain the ethos of Running Punks. So, <laughs> Running Punks, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we we run, we like music. I kind of run and review albums at the same time, make little videos where I'm just losing my mind to some riffs. Um, that's why I couldn't run London Marathon, because I fell over doing a review <laughs> of the Wild Hearts. I fell down the side of a hill in Slurthy, and I was injured, so I couldn't do London Marathon. So that was cool, explaining that. Like, what happened? I was shouting about a Wild Hearts album, and I fell over a twig. Uh, it's cool, like, I'm nearly 40. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, we just... We just like approach running with the same attitude that the punks approach music back in the days. Like I, I ran, I don't know, not nowhere near as much as you, but I ran like 2,000 miles last year and I did it in two pairs of trainers. Like I can't be bothered yeah. buying kit, look at me. Yeah. You wouldn't think I was a runner, but um, that's just our ethos. It's like, just, just get it on, check a cotton t-shirt on, yeah. go running. You don't need um, shoes that you can run on the moon in. It's yeah. just nonsense. <laughs> just keep it simple and get on with it. Yeah, keep it simple and, and like, don't worry about times. We do things like No Watch Wednesday, where we encourage people to run without a watch on. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, like, I lost <laughs> I lost a watch doing another running review. A watch fell off my hand. So I spent like three weeks running without a watch and it was probably the most enjoyable three weeks of running I've had for ages. <laughs> like It was Ooh. really good. I loved it. Um, so yeah, we just encourage people to strip it back and just, you know, it comes from my time in a band where like we do tours of the States and you turn up and every venue is different. So you had to deal with a different obstacle every day. Like there's no PA, there's no fans. Uh, like the beers were warm. And I was just like, imagine feeling like that about running. Whatever happens, you just, you still get your run done. Like no matter how bad the venue was, you still got a gig done. So that's kind of what we try and do with running punks. Like no matter how rubbish your day is or whatever, just, just get out there and run. And when you say it's spreading, I think I've, I've seen you share photos of like your, your t-shirts and your logos on stage with bands as well. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we've had like funeral for a friend to play in somewhere and the guitarist had a Running Punks vest on. Um, it's not bad advertising. Yeah, Fontaine's DCU played in Cardiff last night. The drummer's a proper Running Punk. He's really into it. I did Green Man Festival, like a run club there, taking bands and, and punters for runs. I've just got back from Focus Wales. Um, there, I might be doing Fuji Rocks in Japan, like taking bands and, and people at festivals running. So yeah, it's it's great. Like, cause when I was in a band, I can pinpoint the times on tours where things went tits up, and it's because I didn't go for a run before soundcheck or something. You know, just that all it would have taken was like a twenty-five minute run, and carnage wouldn't have happened. But carnage did happen. So, so are there like multiple groups now spreading out? Out of Cardiff as well, kind of springing up on their own. Yeah, so, I mean, Cardiff is like, I guess people call it like the OG run club because that was the first one. We tried Swansea, but Swansea is like a strange place. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's close to me living in Slathy, but it's like a city run by seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think anything you want to do, you have to run it past the seagulls first, and they just weren't happy with a bunch of people running down the beach. Um, so we tried that, it kind of failed, but we'll try a different day. Bristol is looking good I'm working in Bristol at the moment as well with Chris so I'm there once a week so if I can get a run club going there but um, places which really amazing are like the States is really taking off in America um, so I think we're going to get a run club in New York soon um, Seattle as well and we've got like a load of punks in Arizona which is strange so no not strange you can be a punk anywhere yeah. um, but it looks like yeah it looks like we'll have a few popping up there I was just thinking, this is starting to spread are you going to have to do more admin but I guess by the way you're, you're set up probably not you just let people crack on with it and uh, I've started doing admin. Yeah. I have. I have. I've started. Um, you have to start writing rules and guidelines. No, oh. I don't. Think, I don't think there'll be rules. Like, no, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there should be rules actually. Like, yeah, it should be rules. But yeah, it's just. I don't know. I, it, it's getting to the point now where it's. It's like a proper job. It's my proper job. I quit my job to do it. Um, and yeah, like I bought a diary. 
Uh, Whoa. <laughs> it's not very punk. That is, yeah. <laughs> I bought a diary, I bought a desk lamp. Um, so I'm super organized. You got it all. I'm good to go. Like, yeah. I'm good to go. Um, and I got Wi-Fi in every room in the house now. So it used to just be downstairs. So there's no stopping me. Fully set up. Yeah. Um, so you've been posting a bit on social media about how you're now over two years sober and feeling better than ever. So how has that affected your running? Uh, I don't know. Like, I used to love a drink, right? And like something like this, I wouldn't have been able to walk through those doors unless I was drunk. Not in like, oh, oh, bless him. It was just like, no, it, it, I felt like it just made me more of a party animal. And I was like, oh, people are going to love it when I kick the doors in. And I'm like, things are going to change around you. I'm going to talk. And, and it was just silly. It got to the point where I was just drinking and I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And then I tried for years to stop. And all of a sudden, it was like a little thing where, like, like I was telling myself up there, don't drink, don't drink. But it's the same brain as then saying, have a drink. Yeah. So like you, you're fighting against the same thing. It's like, you're never going to win. But as soon as I started running again, like, my body started doing some thinking for me. I was like, you know what, you're feeling good. Like, your legs are feeling good. You haven't felt like this for, like, 10 years. Let the body do the thinking. And then it became really easy to stop drinking. Um, so I still get, like, phantom hangovers. I spent a lot of time in hotels recently, and I'm waking up, and I'm literally going to the bathroom every morning, like, oh, my God, that was a wild one. <laughs> and it's taking me to have a shower and brush my teeth and think, oh, no, I was just drinking Fanta. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was convinced I was drunk. Um, it just means I can run consistently. I haven't, I'm not really, I don't really train I just run, so I'm not like looking to improve. I just want to run six times a week, and I'm happy. But and, and I can do that. Like I, I guess I haven't been ill. I haven't been too tired to run once, and I haven't had a hangover. So I'm just a nicer guy in general. It's good to know. I am saved any money though. <laughs> Everyone's like, you saved loads of money. I haven't saved a penny. Well, I, when I had like a bounty in a toilet in there <laughs> when I went for a pee. I was like, I got a bounty in my pocket. I'm always <laughs> buying chocolate. I'm always buying stuff I don't need. Well, when you came in uh, when I first met you tonight, you said you're buzzing on coffee. You've been on that all day, so perhaps you've just replaced it something else yeah 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 it's <laughs> still better though it is definitely better so you've got no particular kind of aims with your running then you said you're just you're just running yeah yeah i'm not training for anything yeah not but fast. i ran a 5k pb last month and that includes when i ran for great in or 800 meters so bad. something's going right yeah. um but yeah I'm, i i i was doing sessions for a bit and then i was like i'm not really enjoying this um mm. so i just go out and jog and then i guess my sessions are when i run and review music that's when it goes like ballistic that's when it goes yeah. crazy yeah because i've seen they've been quite popular online those running reviews so what's your favorite like album or artist to run to at the moment um my own music at the moment okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs> got a new album coming out check it out it's gonna be amazing um uh i i think just something for the first time like listening to something for the first time when running is that's that's my new mm. Alcohol, and then he said drugs. No, it's not. Um, that's my new alcohol. Is listening to something for the first time when I'm running. I love it. So I don't really have like this is my favorite running album. I hate playlists. Like I don't run to playlists, even though running punks do a playlist every week. I don't run to them. Yeah. But yeah, something for the first time, and something which has been recommended by someone. I really like it. If someone says, "Oh, this is a really good album. You'd like it," and I like run into it because it's kind of like it's a bit silly, but it's like that person's with me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm like I'm a little run. It's raining. It's like hitting my face sideways. Doing like a five k or something. Real far, real far. But I just feel like the person's recommended that album is with me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, any, anything that's kind of stood out recently that anyone can listen to for the first time on their runs this weekend? Uh, the most... Uh, oh, there's a band called The Muslims. Punk band called The Muslims. They're really good. Um, they are f from America somewhere. I ran to their video and they've all just become massive running punks, which is amazing. Um, the Muslims are really good. Uh, who else? What, what are we talking about, Chris? Any, any good bands? Oh, it's all good. It's amazing. Just go on my YouTube channel. <laughs> 
Oh, Tom Jones. Yeah, me and Tom Jones are mates now because yeah. I ran. <laughs> yeah, I ran to his album. He follows like ninety people on Instagram, and I'm one of them. That's nice. pretty terrifying. And like, you put as much That's junk pressure. on the internet as yeah. I do. Um, Tom Jones runs a banger, isn't it? It's good. It's really sad. Run to some sad music, do we? No, that that works. That works. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, so, yeah, that is all we've got for Jimmy. So th- Are thank you, you kidding? No, well, That's fair enough. If you want to answer your no, own no, questions, no, no. I don't mind. No, no, I'm fine. I've enjoyed that. Cool, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, thank Jimmy you. Hawkins. <laughs> okay, so uh, when we set up the tickets for this event, we did ask everyone here to tell us what the most bullshit thing about running is. Um, these did include other people's opinions and all the bloody podcasts. So uh, fuck you to Rich and Michael for that. <laughs> Not taking that at all personally. Um, a few of the other ones that we did like, Bernie, uh, Bernie, Amy's running partner in ultras. Um, she said, Rocky uneven trails are complete bullshit. Now, you've done a few ultras recently, all put on by Reese. So there's quite a few <laughs> of those rocky, uneven uh, surfaces. That is, I absolutely agree with you, especially the one that I did, the rhythm. There was that few miles on the stony, rocky path that I was miserable on for a good hour and a half. And the muddy, oh yeah, of course, the muddy puddle. The Please. muddy, the bog. So, puddle, puddles, puddles don't go up to your knees. <laughs> this was a perfect, this was a wonderfully dry, this was a dry day completely. Then 20 miles in, everyone up to their shins in black water. That was, that was terrific. No way around it. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree. Rocky, uneven trails are the worst. And also, I tweeted about Grasscrete the other day. There's a park run around here that now has a nice section of Grasscrete. Um, and it actually is one of our most engaged with tweets, as it turns out, weirdly. So apparently everyone else hates it as well. If you haven't seen it, it's basically like a honeycomb of concrete with grass growing in the middle. So it's, it's hard and it's soft and it's slippery and it's uneven at the same time. I can't believe it's good in any weather. It's a horrible surface. And anyone else got any kind of awful surfaces or just... Something about a road or something that they don't like to run on. They finished the Cardiff Half on Grass Creek in about 2010, 11. Oh. On the path um, that's next to the feeder canal, that was all Grass Creek. And your final 500 metres was along there on Grass Creek, then to the castle. Well, wow, last 500 metres of the Cardiff Half on Grass Creek when you're trying to sprint finish. That's awful. The one that actually makes me always laugh is the Snowdon, the Snowden Marathon, which is basically a road marathon. It's quite hilly. And then then the last mile, there's about half a mile of a really steep lane downhill with there is no grip. And if it rains, they, I saw a documentary about it before and they did put up a, a camera there. And even like the front runner who's like sprinting through at that point and just goes on his ass. And just, I know someone that did that and fell over and cut his knee open. And he was just furious at the end of the race because what he thought was a road marathon, all of a sudden you're on this slippery, really steep downhill lane. It seems a crazy thing to do at the end. Okay, so from Shell Jenkins. So her bullshit is how far I have to run just to burn off a pink jammy donut from Greg's. I hate that shit. Like, oh, if you, you've got to run two hours to burn off a Kit Kat, like who fucking cares? Um, so easy content for magazines such as Runner's World and actually not naming any names, <coughs> Trail Running Magazine do this every single month where they put in like, oh, this is how long it takes to burn off this food. It's like, who cares? Well, we, we, we're going to get those at Christmas coming up now, like oh with mince pies. The Easter is always a classic You've one You've got to run well. for two weeks to burn off a whole Christmas dinner. It's like... We got in lots of trouble for that, running packs, do you remember? No. Um, so there's like a few people who got the keys to social media and running packs and mm. someone like the latest burned off the Christmas dinner. Ooh. Uh, I 
home like three hours later because it was Christmas Day. The whole thing, like if running isn't a punishment, food isn't a reward, you don't earn it. See you Christmas dinner, don't worry about it. Uh, Susie Donovan says her bullshit is injury bench, blisters, chafing, abuse of women. I could go on. One of those is not like the others. So yeah, yeah. abuse of women obviously is a very, very huge, well, it's always been a huge issue, but it's particularly hot topic at Mm -hmm. the moment with everything that's been going on. so once you get going with these things, it can be hard to stop. Anything you can come, want to come up with and particularly get off your chest? <laughs> Any of those particularly? No, Susie's not here. No? She cancelled. No? Oh. No. That's the wrong Susie. I'm, I'm talking to the wrong, wrong Susie. Susie. You're not Susie Donovan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like looking at you and directing you, like looking at me like... Yeah, do you want to come out and say anything? We don't mind. Okay. Um, okay, and we've got another one here from Jen Harding, who is no relation, also didn't come because no. of a dog issue, so we don't mind. And now she said, I hate the way running speaks to me and the way I really care. I hate the way I run crazy races most sane people would not dare. I hate that my house is full of trainers and how running is always on my mind. I hate running so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate the way running is bullshit. I hate that is actually a lie. I hate it when running makes me laugh, even worse when it makes me cry. I hate it when I'm injured and I can't run. I hate it when I fall, but mostly I hate the way I, I don't hate running. Not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. Oh, Jen, are you... No, no. I was going to say, Jen, are you okay? We wanted to get her up for a little bit of therapy here because there's clearly something wrong there. Most people here did a one-word answer and just thought, I'll just put something in there and just they won't talk to me about it. And she did a whole poem. I mean, come on. Classic Jen. Yeah, she needs some help there. Bless her. Um, speaking of dodgy poetry, at this point in the evening, we're supposed to be joined by Hannah Phillips, who, was, who had written a poem for us on the theme of running is bullshit, but unfortunately she had to pull out this morning because she suffered a sudden loss in the family. So uh, at this point, we just want to send our love and our thoughts to Hannah and her whole family, and hopefully we'll hear from her very, very soon. Uh, we've got a bit more listener bullshit. So we've had a tweet from the one woman BS content generator, Gabby Naya, who unfortunately could not be here this evening. And I've really wanted to meet her. I've really wanted to meet Gabby, talk to her about hankies and tissues. And yeah, that she's not the hanky woman. You keep getting it wrong. Who's that? Lisa Gibbon. Oh, God. Amy doesn't read any God, of the emails. She, she reads these scripts 10 minutes before we... I've got people waving at me going, Amy, like, and I'm like, I don't know who they are. And, you know, I just... I Unless can't. I write it down for you, you don't I, know. I don't know, yeah. Anyway, Gabby, who's not the hanky woman, so it doesn't matter that she's not here. Um, well, she's the one that sends us content every week. <laughs> she's the best one. Yeah, she can do it in the background. doesn't matter. Um, says, so much bullshit in one run today. First, a dog on a telescopic lead. I think she means like a retractable lead there. I've never heard it called a telescopic lead, but there we go. Then a baseball-hatted driver coming at me and forcing me into a wall. Then the pensioner swinging the car door into me as I run past. She then attached some graffiti that in big letters just said, fuck off on the floor, which is something that needs to be said. Yeah, sometimes it's just the best kind of graffiti is just fuck off. That's all you need, because that's just... (laughs) One thing after another. It's how we all feel. Yeah, Yeah, one thing after. Well, you know, actually on that, I actually read a report earlier that 70% of all incidents with runners and extendable dog leads actually happen to Gabby Nair. Because she's the one that always seems to be in trouble with these. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to talk about our friend uh, Louise Penny, who is here this evening as well. Um, she's, she's got a lovely race story for us. She's given us permission to talk about this. I did check. Um, hopefully this will make a lot of you a little bit furious. Um, I'll try and make a long story short because it's quite complicated. Um, basically, Louise missed the deadline 
uh, to transfer from a race. It was a 30k race, and admittedly, it was kind of her own error. Uh, she kind of missed that deadline. Uh, but she told the race organizers, okay, I'm 24 weeks pregnant. I haven't been able to train that much, so I just want to double check if there's any flexibility in that cancellation. Um, they said there wasn't, which, you know, I guess at that point is fair. So she said, okay, yeah, no problem. Um, I'll, I'll do it anyway, and I'll run walk it. And she looked at the results of the previous years and looked, you know, other people have clearly walked a decent amount of this, judged by those results. Now, there's no cutoff in this race, no official cutoff. They just had kind of this weird woolly statement that said, there's no cutoff, but we will pull runners off the course if they put the volunteers at risk, which I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means if you're threatening volunteers, but I don't know if, I don't know if standing on a street at four o'clock in the afternoon is putting you at risk or not. Um, so that doesn't really mean anything. Um, the race director then came back and said, for obvious health and safety reasons, I cannot permit you to take part and fail to understand the logic or benefit of you spending money to travel and walk a challenging 30K course 24 weeks into your pregnancy um, and also refuse to give a refund. So wouldn't allow her to run, but wouldn't refund. Um, so after, after insisting that, in fact, Louise was aware of how her own body uh, worked better than the race director and threatening him very justifiably with the Equality Act, they eventually came back to her at half past nine the evening before the race and said, look, we're very busy. Let's just, we're going to give you a refund because it'll be easier for everyone. No apology, no acknowledgement, just we'll give you a refund because it's too much hard work. Yeah, basically, yeah. The, the email read like, oh, we're, we're too busy dealing with things right now, so here's the money. Like, you know, when obviously they'd done something wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible that you can say, I can understand you might be concerned about someone, but if someone's entered a race and said, I'm happy to do it, it's kind of up to them. Unless you're checking the health of every single runner, or if you say, we're not going to let you do it, you give them a refund, surely. And not just because it's hard work. Um, so... Shame. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, just a 30k for Reese is a, is a waste of time. That's, that's a morning's run. So yeah, lovely little story there. Thank you very much, Louise. Um, oh, we've got yet another guest for you. This is the most special person here, apart from William the dog, of course. Um, we are nearly at the end. Uh, this is the most exciting guest, almost the last. Um, no offence to the other guests we've had, sorry. Um, we're doing what comedians do when they run out of ideas. Uh, so everyone, please give a big hand to Amy's mum, Dr. Nikki Genders. <laughs> She, she sat all the way at the back. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, we've so talked about you a lot on this podcast in your journeys around uh, Europe as well. Firstly, um, we want to ask the question that's most important here. Now, it must have been you know, fairly obvious from a young age, you know, because mothers always know these things. When did you know Amy was a musical prodigy? It was probably when she was about eight and decided to join the choir. This is um, on top of drama lessons, and the drama lessons, as you can tell, were successful. <laughs> the singing less successful, so I invested quite a lot of money in uh, singing lessons. Off. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't believe she actually ruined a Dolly Parton recently. Do you know what? Uh, there's been good feedback. A couple of people really? said that's her best ever. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> it's a low standard, but. So yeah, from about the age of eight. That and wearing hats, so I was never surprised when not, she'd got a hat. I'm not no, wearing no. a hat today. That's true. So when she was about two, she got into wearing either a hat. I used to have to sew, so she always, very demanding, always <laughs> wanted a matching hat for her dresses. 
So I used to have to make hats, and if I didn't make her a hat, she wore a box or a seaside <laughs> bucket. Aww. So I got into work making hats quickly because I wasn't walking around with a two-year-old with a bucket on the head. <laughs> Can you remember the name of Amy's band? Ooh. I can remember spending hours and nights and nights putting band gear in the back of cars and travelling to various places, and I'm just trying to remember it back home. It was, oh. called, it was called Atrophy, just it so was, you know. Yeah. We were a grunge oh. band. Yes. <laughs> of course yeah. you were. Yeah. It blew my mind when I found this yeah. out about Amy. She kept that quiet. I played the bass, like, yeah, I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> it took us hours to put those dreadlocks in, didn't we? <laughs> um, so I think, that's quite, I think that's plenty about Amy's music career. Yeah. Yeah. Probably it will do. Um, so, yeah, we've spoken to you when you've been, you know, going around Europe and going on nice walks and things. You haven't even at least been tempted to do Couch to 5K yet? No. Not even in support of Amy? Nope. Who's nope. been coaching other people? Well, Amy's actually coached me out of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it started when I was sending her back videos of our lovely walks abroad and I've got this habit of falling over, <laughs> yeah. which Amy just sends me back laughing emojis. Yes. Not, are you all right, mum? Just laughing. <laughs> so I think she's made it quite clear that I might, I shouldn't really be running when I can't even walk. Walk so. before you run, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So no. So the more you see Amy run, the more that puts you off. Definitely. I think that's I think that's good balance for us when we talk about running is bullshit to have someone that genuinely just simply doesn't want to run at all. Who thinks it's bullshit. Yeah. Genuinely. Absolutely. So much so they <laughs> refuse to even do it. Um, the most exciting part of your travels around Europe was, of course, you came back with Gus. Gus the dog. Yes. How's he settling in? Oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. So we went out to Spain and we um, travel in a camper van and we'd met loads of people who had got dogs in their vans. So we decided we would go and do some work at a, um, a shelter walking some dogs. And one of the um, assistants there just said, this dog is going to be ideal for your van. So we came back with him. And he's really settled. He loves life when he can sit looking at the view. Well, I do as well. But when the dog can sit looking at the views and watch people go by and just enjoying life living in a van. So he's a hashtag van dog. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, we had to talk about dogs at some point, uh, as we always do. I, I wonder if anyone's got any questions for Nikki about Amy's <laughs> younger life. Anything you want to know about Amy at all? If you want to try and get an embarrassing story out of her, I think this is the time. No, that's it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> no? Can I just add, Stuart? Yes, about, of course. While we are talking about dogs, it is important that there's a connection between the boxes on the head and the love of dogs, because at one stage, Amy told me she didn't want to be a person. She wanted to be a dog. Yeah. So I, I still want that. <laughs> that's fair. So she used to get socks, the longer the better, and put them inside the box, like dog ears. And I've actually got photographic evidence of this, if we need any at any point. Yeah, I think we do. From last um, week. Yeah. <laughs> of dog ears that were socks trapped underneath her box. So. That's good thinking. <laughs> it was. Uh, I think it's something we can all aspire to, wanting to be a dog. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> pretty yeah. easy life. Uh, if nothing, no one has anything else and wants to urgently ask, no, that's it. Nope, that's it. Okay. Thank you very much, Nikki Genders. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Right, so Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Apart from not editing, are you editing this? You yeah, we'll be, yeah. Well, I, th I think we're just going to, I'll just leave all the shit in, don't worry. Uh, we'll, I have we'll no idea what goes into the editing process. So. No, Amy has no idea. Uh, yeah, traditional end of this podcast, what have we got next? Uh, for me, it's just a marathon next weekend, no big deal, just my first marathon. Um, the problem I'm getting with the marathon though, because I've kind of got an idea of a time in mind, I thought I'll just go with that, there's a pacer, I'll just kind of go with them. But I've seen loads of other people doing marathons recently, and I'm looking at their times thinking... 
I'm quicker than them. I can probably do. And I was just like, no, fuck's sake, stop doing that to yourself. Because I know at some point I'm going to get in. I'm th- already thinking to myself, perhaps I'll go to about 18 miles and then I'll speed up. I'm like, what am I thinking? I know I'm going to have to battle that the whole way. Just like, stay with the pacer. Don't be a dick. Maybe a couple of miles at the end. That's fine. Don't think about 18 miles because that's stupid. So that's the thing I'm going to have to really battle myself. So I'll be running at Newport, which looks like a slightly boring course. Um, yeah, there's a few people nodded just then. Great, thanks. Um, yeah, so that's, that's all I've uh, got coming up. Hopefully that's something interesting to talk about for next time. Anything for you, Amy? Uh, I've just got an ultra in three weeks. No, just no another big, one? No big deal, yeah. It just goes up Panavan and back down again. It's not, it's not, not a big deal. So just the opposite of me. You're doing a massively hilly ultra, <laughs> yeah. and I'm doing an incredibly flat marathon. Yeah, yeah. I'm just in denial about it a bit. <laughs> it's probably the best way <laughs> until, to do it. Until, until I'm there in Merth Tidville, and I'm like stood at the start line, I'm just not really thinking about it. It'll be fine. All of a sudden, the start line, it'll just dawn on you yeah. like, shit, <laughs> I should have run up some hills in practice. Yep, yep. That's in three weeks. You've done any hill practice? No, no, of course not. I've just been running around Cardiff Bay, which is like incredibly <laughs> flat and about five foot above sea level. So yeah, it's fine. It's, it's be Do you fine. think we could swap race numbers? It sounds like it might be a good idea. What, for Newport? Yeah, you can yeah. do the flat one. I'll do oh, the new one. Oh, just photocopy yours. I'll just run next. Good idea, fine. yeah. Fine. Terrific. <laughs> Uh, well, that's pretty much it for the episode. Uh, so thank you very much. Um, before we go, we, have, we want to give a, just a thank you to staff, a little man, obviously, for uh, hosting us tonight. Uh, personally brought all the microphones and equipment. He's been sitting here quietly. Alice Gray, thank you very much. And of course, the most important people in the room are right here, me and Amy. So thank you very much, everyone. And um, you. see you next time. It's like a city run by seagulls.